Get Up Nation. I hope you're enjoying the Get Up Nation podcast on www.anchor.fm. As a podcast host on over 20 platforms, I really enjoy how easy it is to use Anchor, how Anchor makes everything I need available in one place for free, accessible on your smartphone or desktop computer. Go to www.anchor.fm now. In case you didn't know, Anchor has creation tools that allow you to record and edit each episode. If you're concerned about the distribution of your hard work, don't sweat it because Anchor takes care of that too. If you're considering becoming a podcaster, I would highly recommend Anchor as your choice to begin sharing your content with the world. What up, Get Up Nation? My name is Ben Biddick, the host of the Get Up Nation podcast and co-author of Get Up, The Art of Perseverance with former Major League Baseball player and CEO of Lurong Living, Adam Greenberg. Welcome to episode 21. Recently, I had the honor and privilege of speaking with the brave and brilliant Christina Leela Wilson of Angel Hack. Christina became disillusioned with the slow pace of the American nonprofit space and hungered to have a more immediate, powerful impact in some of the most troubled, violent, and impoverished environments on our planet. She discovered and joined Angel Hack and now travels the world, helping some of the hungriest entrepreneurs and visionaries on earth create solutions for global problems such as coexistence, financial inclusion, women's empowerment, rare disease, road safety, and access to education. Angel Hack's synchronization of the nonprofit and technology worlds has helped Christina and those she serves make the impact they crave with speed and efficiency. Listen to Christina share how she refuses to be funneled into common silos of perspective and blends people of different ages, cultures, socioeconomic strata, and other categories. Together, they build practical, effective solutions while serving with power and passion. I hope you enjoy hearing how outdated paradigms of technology, progress, and business are being transcended by warrior souls who use their suffering and pain to defeat hopelessness with opportunity, intelligence, and hard work. Christina journeys where Silicon Valley is often too afraid to go and brings investors with her. End your work week with this powerful episode of the Get Up Nation podcast that is built on the foundation of resilience and passionate service. It's an honor to connect with you today. I know you're preparing for travel to Nairobi and Kabul, so I'm very thankful you've taken time out for the Get Up Nation podcast. For those of my listeners who aren't familiar with Angel Hack, will you describe the mission of this organization? Sure. Essentially, we are a hackathon and innovation company that is supporting new tech and startup ideas in over 50 countries around the world. Now, I want people to understand the significance of the name of the organization. For my listeners who aren't extremely savvy in technology or its language, will you describe what the term Angel Hack signifies? Definitely. I, I know still a lot of people when they hear hack, they are still, even my parents for a while, were thinking that we were breaking into people's computers or databases, but really it's just more of the creative idea of hacking solutions. So Angel actually originally came when it first started, we would do these hackathons, which are technology competitions, usually over two days. And in the, in the first phase, there would be angels that would, um, you know, angel investors that would fund the ideas right after. So, you know, you would build a prototype of your idea on a Saturday and Sunday, and then Monday you would have some funding to launch and test your idea. Angel Hack has tackled different issues, including coexistence, financial inclusion, women's empowerment, rare diseases, safety, and access to education. 
From April to July of 2018, AngelHack is challenging the global community of more than 130,000 developers, designers, entrepreneurs, barrier breakers, and problem solvers to address some of the world's greatest dilemmas. And uh, it sounds like there's more than 50 cities from Kabul to Tokyo who are going to be part of AngelHack's global series this year. What are some of the focuses going to be in, in 2018? Any idea that is solving a problem in your region, your country with technology is, is eligible, so it's, it's broad. But then we do have themes that we, we try to train all the participants in some of the latest tools and research. We bring research partners, like even using UN Sustainable Development Goals to make sure people are focusing on the biggest problems. Um, a big, big focus this year for a lot of places um, I know a lot of people are talking about blockchain, but especially in emerging markets and ecosystems where there's less regulation and so much is held back because people don't have the tools to have contracts or have transactions between countries or even make the financial transactions involved, blockchain is really exciting in that it can unleash so much um, economic activity. So that is one of our big focuses this year, but then we do have even artificial intelligence and machine learning and other um, other tech focuses like that. I love how AngelHack is all about fusing and synchronizing the nonprofit and technology worlds. How is AngelHack's work maximizing the impact of nonprofit? Yes, well, actually, we, we have a whole nonprofit arm of AngelHack called Code for a Cause because I actually used to work in the nonprofit world and was so just, I guess, disillusioned. I know a lot of people in, in the space have felt that. Uh, because it moves so slowly and it's, so much of it has to be focused on what donors are finding sexy at that moment, you know. And so I think for, for AngelHack, part of what drew me to this was the lightning speed and efficiency that you can move at. So we started partnering with nonprofits and say basically nonprofits can have free sponsorship of our hackathon, any of the countries that we're doing this. So they can come on board and say, hey, we're trying to empower women in this country. And sometimes People at a hackathon will have such fresh thinking, and people that are at the hackathons participating are the ones immersed in the problems in the countries. So they're they're the ones that often come up with really most impactful ideas and solutions. And then nonprofit from their side, you know, because a lot of them are kind of operating in an archaic way from a tech standpoint, they are just so excited because they're sometimes making progress that they would typically make in nine to 12 months over such a tiny period of time. So um, it's really a win-win for everyone because also our participants often, they'd rather be hacking solutions around issues they're passionate about versus just something for a large corporate entity. You know, <laughs> How did you first get involved with Angel Hack? It was really through a series of curveballs. I was, I was pretty depressed working in the nonprofit space and feeling like feeling a little bit hopeless, actually. Like, I even, I did work on some Middle East issues, and one of my first jobs was uh, doing research on all these human rights cases in the Middle East, and it just felt like, wow, this is never going to improve, and it felt like a losing battle. And I had gone back to school. I went to Georgetown for, for my master's, and during that time, it was through a business school competition that they literally saw a flyer on the wall, and participated in this for, for an idea that I had for a long time. And I did not think I would win. Somehow I won a, won a place in their business incubator. And just that experience of 
all the resources and the excitement around building a vision in the real world and something about that just set me on fire and my passion notes you know brought back all my passion for life and then then really encountering what you could do with technology in such a short period inspired me so much that I actually went to go to my own technology boot camp where over a few months full-time, you're able to really get a grasp on, I focused on UI, UX design, user interface, user experience, but you can do full-stack development, all sorts of things where you, you really are at a nice place to start building and testing your, your ideas and getting involved in that space. So while I was in New York, I found a group that was, I, I basically wanted to tie together all this all this amazing excitement around hackathons because I'd been to a few and I'd been to a bunch of startup weekends. Tying that to the Middle East because that was my one of my big passions in my life. Part of my family is from there. And I found a group that was running volunteer hackathons in New York focused on Pakistan. So it was focused on creating solutions that they would then go and actually implement in Pakistan. So it was so exciting to me, and I I got on this team, and we we would organize them and work on building out the solutions, and it was 100% volunteer based, but it was really exciting for me to see so many people, and it wasn't just people from Pakistan, it was people from you know from all over and different backgrounds working together and putting so much time. I thought we would stay up till 3 a.m. and building things out. So through that, I encountered Angel Hack. They were hosting a hackathon right before our hackathon. They were looking to expand their global programs. So it was very, very timely for me. I was like, this is perfect because they have this reach all over the world. And there was definitely a part of me that was, I don't know if I can do this as a job because <laughs> hackathons are extremely, I mean, they're amazing and chaotic and beautiful, but they're, they're so draining. Like usually after a hackathon, I can't move the next day. <laughs> so I was part of me was like, I don't know if I can do this that often. I'll age 10 years in a year. <laughs> but um, but the team was so, it's kind of like a family. I've lasted over two years here. So I think something about it, you know, it, it, it's draining, but also fuels you in another amazing way. That's part of the hackathon life. <laughs> When we initially connected, you described how your work causes you to encounter people fighting through some of the darkest situations on the planet while simultaneously building their dreams. Is there a specific example of this that's been meaningful to you that would help my listeners understand the value and power of Angel Hacks work? Definitely. Yeah, I mean, it was one thing to encounter these in places like New York and, you know, you see people building their dreams or people frustrated in their careers, finding a new outlet for their skills, but it was a total different universe encountering this in places like Nairobi where I'm going next week you know next to one of the largest slums in East Africa where you know the hackathon when you open the doors there's hundreds of people in line and last year we had to turn away 600 people because there wasn't enough spots you know things like that but the individual stories sometimes that during the hackathon it's so intense but then once I finally sit down and get to know some of the winners so many times I'm just blown away <laughs> by their stories and I'm like, wow, what am I doing with my life when I hear them? I mean, just one example, we did a hackathon in Sofia, Bulgaria, and someone had emailed me a few days before saying, I'm 14 years old, can I participate? And I was 
already very stressed about the hack and I was part of me was like, oh, I don't want to, I don't want to babysit. I don't know if I can do that on top of this, but we do actually allow any age. So I was like, you know, come on and you can participate. And he showed up from pretty far outside one of the villages with all these inventions that he had worked on and he would collect old computer parts and things he'd find and he had created this awesome tool, one of them what, that would replicate your handwriting when you, if you would write something on this pad on paper. <laughs> and he had so many ideas and he ended up winning one of our big prizes. But then when I got to talk to his team more, they told me that he, he had basically over a year, he had not eaten lunch every day, saved his lunch money to be able to buy this old laptop starting, you know, starting when he was 12, and finally got this old laptop and taught himself coding. So he would stay up late at night, you know, all the, finding every tool out there to teach yourself how to program, and had just gotten so good at it. And all of, all of it was sparked off him seeing one person do a presentation around technology they had built. For me, it was like, wow, you can light that fire in, some, in someone. And all over the world, there's all of these young people that are so talented and with huge dreams that they just need to have that spark lit. So <laughs> it's very exciting, but we have a long way to go of still bringing resources to so many places in the world where, you know, there's still, we still, even in Pakistan, encountered someone that would still have to take a bus 40 minutes just to get access to a book about things he wanted to learn. So many places people are teaching themselves and getting to this incredible level where they're they're winning at hackathons above people that have uh, degrees in computer science. But still, you know, the, the internet access issue, things we don't think about here where it's like an honor and privilege for them to have any amount of internet access. I'm constantly amazed by what people are capable of, but still thinking we still have a lot to do. <laughs> As you witness these people building their dreams in environments where there are bombings, threats, and violence, as, as you described, I believe it was your account of the Kabul hackathon in 2017, I believe it was on medium.com. What yeah. personal or societal transformations did you witness in those who participated? I think Kabul was definitely one of the most special hackathons. It was one of the first in the country. But for me, knowing just a glimpse of what they've been through over 40 years of war in your hometown, I, I, it's, it's really hard for us to picture what that feels like. But I think people that are kind of the positive thinkers and the people that are trying to stay positive about their future are in the minority and they're always, they're, they're, they feel that it's like a heaviness. It's hard to describe it. If there's like, there's a strong heaviness that you feel. Also in Gaza, we did a similar one that people would tell you that if you have hope, people actually get kind of upset at you sometimes. And if, so for the youth, it's hard for them to stay positive about their future. So having these small centers, like in the middle of Gaza, the co-working space was like this bright light in their world because it was a place where people were thinking positive and not letting themselves feel hopeless and finding against all the odds. Already entrepreneurs in the U.S., you're, you're going against the odds. Like it's most likely you're not going to make it and building a new vision, a dream, or disrupting an industry. So in a place like this, where there's Afghanistan, there's so few people investing or support for your ideas, it takes a lot more. So these people were just encountering warrior souls. Mm -hmm. I was inspired to meet them. Little things about their lives, or in Gaza, they would have 
a few hours of electricity a day and I had been complaining about my my internet wasn't working in my hotel and I felt so bad, you know, when I realized what everyone else was, was experiencing. But definitely I did get that feeling of, wow, these people, even though they're in this minority, they do have this power to change the narrative and, and have their have this contagion factor of their their stance. I witnessed a little bit of it, but it's so powerful that I can see it like light that spark in other people around them when they are taking that stand and and you know going against the odds and just keep trying every day and even at our hackathon that morning there was a bombing and I was sitting there thinking, wow, I should we cancel this? Like I don't want people and people were on their way at the time. I, I didn't want people stuck or come, you know, getting themselves in danger. But once we started getting messages in, everyone was just saying, please, please let us in. We're stuck, but we'll get there as soon as we can. And that was the kind of messages we were getting from people. So ever since that, you know, I became friends with a lot of them on Facebook. And my whole Facebook feed sometimes now, and it's hard to watch. Like even some of the people that are the extreme optimists, sometimes, as you can imagine, having their own friends die, things like that, they still have, some of them still will have those moments of hopelessness. But the overall growth, I do see this strong movement, um, which is beautiful, kind of encouraging the talent. And encourage, it, it started by the youth, this group, Afghanistan Needs You, and they're saying, please don't leave the country, because usually as soon as people get to that place where they can get a job or get some sponsorship out of the country, they leave. And this is, you know, the brain drain in all these parts of the world where they need those people the most. They need their talent and their their smart, passionate youth more than anyone. So that there's this rally there to to hey, what this is the generation where we can we can still rebuild our future. And it was really beautiful to watch that. You've mentioned how much untapped potential exists around the globe. How satisfying is it for you to awaken a group of people to their potential and see their skill sets and passion find an outlet? It's very beautiful. For me, it's, I don't feel like we do that much except create that meeting point that itself is so powerful. Like just getting those people in a room together, they all light each other up in a way. I mean, my life was transformed literally through like one hackathon. This is what people can do in a few days, and the pressure is so much and the time, you know, the time constraint is so high that you would become so close to the people on your team. Like, you know, you don't have time for any BS. Like, <laughs> you get to know mm-hmm. everything about how they work and they operate. So, so often people end up, even if they don't win a prize, they end up working together somehow or just creating those connections is so powerful. So, for us, it's it's very exciting coming back the next year and saying, oh, wow, these, these people are now friends or they're, they did this other startup or they launched a co-working space or whatever. For me, it's seeing this wildfire spread because when they do studies on these kind of startup ecosystems, it often is like this. It's literally just a few success stories that spark it. In Estonia, we were very active. We had some of our top success stories, even a young team of one guy, one girl ended up creating this startup just in two days that is now in Silicon Valley, raised $10 million. And that space in Estonia, there's this entrepreneurial outpost in an area that it's not, there's not a lot of activity back, you know, back a few years ago. So just kind of seeing how that 
can create that ripple effect um, also is very powerful. So for us, I'm always trying to push the, the winning teams. Like you guys have this responsibility almost because whatever, you know, whatever success you have is going to spark a hundred more seeds around you. You've described how you strategically bring people together who don't usually collaborate to solve problems. How have you seen this spark creative solutions? Definitely. That is something that we always encourage at hackathons is not just to go with your friend or try to find people like you. I think people don't realize how much we've been siloed and how much we filter out everyone different than us and filter out any perspective different than us and all the algorithms on the internet reinforce that even more. And I think it's extremely dangerous. You know, the old way of education was encountering all the opposite viewpoints and that was considered how you would grow. So we, we definitely see this at hackathons. We, we always try to say, if your team has the most diverse backgrounds, skills, industries, perspectives, that's when you're going to get something really fresh, really truly innovative, something I even say like age-wise, like have, you know, have someone, because sometimes people in their 40s come to hackathons too, and, and the first instinct for two young computer scientists is, oh, we don't need it to that, that person, but they're, they're wrong. And <laughs> bringing in women has been a huge, it's like incredible. We had such a hard time getting women to hackathons, even in London. And I mean, it was like our rate was 2% women, and we did all, because our team is female uh, majority, and we were like, how can we get women? And we did a whole campaign trying to bring women and finally realized women were just so intimidated and they didn't think they're qualified enough. And that, you know, I would see women sneaking out of the back. They just, you know, are too scared to actually join a team. But now that we've pushed it, so some of the same people that would be trying to escape would end up winning a prize <laughs> and they just have mm. so much self-doubt. So we've tried so hard to get different backgrounds. You know, I think even socioeconomic, like a person that's had a poor life has a very different perspective in the same city as someone who's had an easier life. So that itself, that itself at Hackathons, like people come and tell us they've never had this much of their own perspective shift in mm. such a short time. So that wow. itself is, is very powerful, yeah. You've uh, participated in hackathons in numerous countries facing a variety of challenges. Have you noticed any similarities in mindset of those who are successful at creating positive impact in the face of such tremendous odds? There's definitely a, a specific kind of almost attitude, I guess, that people that will even come and engage in these uh, will, are definitely, I don't want to say naturally entrepreneurial, but it's people that want to evolve their skills and their views on their own, which I think, you know, they have that intrinsic motivation which to me is is very special because it's people that, whether it's a student or whether it's someone who hates their job or is dying for an outlet, those are the types of people and they're everywhere that end up, I think, most often coming, you know, at least in the early stages where there's hackathons in the city. And to me, those are the kind of people that really do come out and, and build the solutions. But also there's just certain people that have that systems level of thinking, like they're just always thinking for solutions, always thinking about what solution can be built. You know, it's, it's almost like a bug that uh, certain people have that mindset, but I do think it's it's, a, it's not something that you're born with. I think it, it's contagious. So, you know, in my ideal world, I really, 
I hope we come to a time when everyone's able to tap into that. You know, I'm, I'm very passionate about like the employee owned business model where it kind of tries to tap into that and have almost every single employee think of, think in an entrepreneurial way. So that's where I hope we go in the future. <laughs> the poet Rumi, who was born in what is now Afghanistan, wrote, the wound is where the light enters you. How have you seen the people who collaborate with Angel Hack use their wounds to create light? I love that quote so much. I think Rumi is one of my favorite writers. And that's a very beautiful point. I I do believe some, that a lot of the greatest ideas and solutions often do come from people that have experienced pain and hardship. And that's why I'm very passionate about this issue that I feel like Silicon Valley has the blind spot that people have been starting to realize that they've focused on, you know, a lot of amazing innovations, but a lot of it is really only applicable to a segment of humanity and ignoring a huge (laughs) portion of, of all of us. So a lot of times the people that end up winning and having these really amazing ideas, like I do end up finding out that they had extreme hardship, extreme whether it was poverty that they pushed themselves out of or some sort of difficulty or or loss, I think it does seem to give people a deeper understanding. Definitely have some sort of fire that it lights within you. I just I do see this extra motivation in places the poor, the country that we are operating in, like more passion and dedication we often see at hackathons. Mm-hmm. It's really incredible and in Africa, same thing. We realized some some of the winning teams actually lived in the, the slums, you know, in the really hard parts of town. So that, to me, it does say something about the Rumi quote that um, for some reason, you know, going through hardship seems to evolve people in a certain way. And it really speaks to the nobility of the organization that serves people in this way to give them an empowering ability to alter their circumstances and to give them the tools and the opportunity to help them take their wounds and create light. Certainly it is a fitting name for such an amazing organization. I really look forward to connecting with you in the future and hearing about the people you serve. Can't wait to hear how people are creating light here in the months to come. I always end the show with six quick questions to help my listeners understand how my guests make such a powerful and positive impact in hopes that will empower my listeners to make a similar impact in their homes, neighborhoods, and cities. Will you run through these six quick questions with me? Sure, yeah. Who are you thankful for today? I'm thankful for all of the people that have kept believing in me and seeing the good in me through all my tough times in life and when I've been disillusioned. Um, definitely my family, my mom, even through her own very tar- like dark times that she went through, always showing so much unconditional love, and I think that inspired me very much. And what are you thankful for today? I'm thankful for other people that continue trying every day, no matter how hard life gets, even in the toughest scenarios in the world that I look to for inspiration when I'm facing those moments. And how do you fuel the fire within you? Definitely through other people, that's one way, but also through 
I, I love, I just have an endless curiosity and I'm always, always trying to find a new perspective. Um, the, the Buddhist idea of like every person has a lesson to teach you. I try to adopt that every cult, you know, think of it as every culture has something to teach you. That has been so true to me from every single person I've met and encountered. And I think having that attitude helps evolve you, but then it's kept me constantly inspired. What has adversity taught you to value? I think adversity has taught me to value the incredible inner strength that I truly believe every person has within us. Um, and I think sometimes we can get we can get disillusioned and we forget about it, but I've I think we can all tap into it and it's amazed me in times that I thought I thought, oh, if this ever happened to me I would be broken. I don't know how I would go on. And those exact fears did happen to me and I can't believe it's almost like this incredible strength came alive in me and I didn't even know I had it in me. So I think that was beautiful to see that humanity has this incredible potential, and I think we forget about it a lot because we are constantly inundated with negative stories and stories showcasing the worst side of humanity. And I think remembering what we are capable of keeps me going and can, mm. can keep all of us going. What are you going to do today you never thought you could? Well, I am... I'm about to go into a place alone. I never, I really didn't think I would be going on trips like this by myself into Afghanistan and into different places. And I, I think for me, it's like a beautiful adventure, having things that I used to watch Indiana Jones and see and I always dreamed of these adventures in these parts of the world. So I think... I think it's cool to see see that come true. And my final question, what are you going to do tomorrow? You never thought you could. Hopefully my my real dream is to showcase a lot more of these stories of other people that I've been lucky to get little glimpses of that I think it's very rare that seeing all the incredible beauty in places where we only see a very one-sided view. And I I mean, my phone has 20,000 images and stories of people that I I am dying to collect and put out there in an easy to digest way. And for especially youth to kind of get a lot of these cool, inspiring stories. For those who want to learn more about you, Angel Hack, or any of the organizations we've discussed here today, how can they learn more? Definitely, there's so many ways to be involved as an individual or as an organization. Almost anyone could participate somehow in a hackathon. I think it's a beautiful experience for, I think everyone should go from a grandmother to watch the demos to a young person. So if you go to angelhack.com, you could even become an ambassador for your city. But definitely, and for nonprofits, there's so many ways to engage or definitely follow our work. And for anyone that wants even to discuss ways of being involved, 
reach out to us, info at angelhack.com. Yeah, we would love to brainstorm with you how to bring more more people in places around the world just as you are excited about sharing the stories of those you serve during your work it has been an honor for me to hear your story as you serve them be safe and be blessed in your travel and i can't wait to hear more thank you yeah i can't wait to hear more stories highlighted on your podcast get up nation what are you doing today to create the world you want to live in How are you binding the world's wounds, drawing out its finest strengths, and taking the hand of those who have been weakened and exploited? What will you do today to impact the world with brilliance, beauty, and bravery?